Behind the Shades. I want to welcome everyone to another episode of Behind the Shades with me. I have my lovely guest here who's full of smiles, full of energy, and this is just the beginning of what I think is going to be an amazing podcast today. So why don't you introduce yourself and let us know who you are and tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure, sure. Sherry Strong. And right now my title is I'm the Vice President of Community and Sales for SOAR.com. That's S-O-A-R.com. Uh, the, I work with Paul Allen, who started Ancestry.com. That's who started our company. And we are taking learning and development, and our mission is to uplift humanity. So that's what I do. Who I am is I, uh, I have five children, or three children, five grandchildren, I am a mother, a wife, a grandmother. I do, I have a master's in pastoral counseling. So I do counseling. I'm a coach. And uh, for SOAR, I really am helping develop the community. So I love uplifting other coaches and helping them build their businesses. And then, but doing that in my personal life as well. I've written a book. I'm in the middle, not in the middle. I'm almost at the end of writing my second book. So that's exciting. And my first one was about healing me. I thought it was about helping the world. It really was about me. But, <laughs> but the second one is really going to be about helping people. So, <laughs> so I'm almost done with that. So yeah, I think 2020 is 2021 is really going to be good. But I think who I am is I truly I want to help other people not go through the mistakes I made or, and I, I just was not the brightest tool in the box. It took me a long time to get here and uh, get here mentally. So if I can help people in their life, their learning curve in life, shorten that at all, I truly, truly want, that's my mission in life is to do that. Just to help people uh, overcome obstacles quicker. You, you have to beauty, have a bit quicker. Absolutely. And that's the beauty of it, right? Like we see the end result, like looking at myself, looking at you, we see the package that we present today, but a lot of people don't get to dig deep and find out what got us to be this way. And I look forward to seeing your journey, sharing your journey and figuring out, okay, what did she go through to get here? And yet she's still bubbly, big smiles, lots of energy. <laughs> you, you mentioned some of the mistakes that you have done. And I know that we sh we discussed a little bit back and forth. So bring us up to speed for those who necessarily don't use. So how was your early 20s? Because from what I know, that's when pretty much it all started or it all began to go down that path. So bring us up to speed and exactly what did happen in your early 20s? Sure, sure. Well, just to paint the picture for everyone. So, you know, people see my title or they see my successes in the last 10, 15 years, and they look at me and they think, oh, she must have, you know, went to the best school and then went straight into college and, you know, had, everything was perfect and then landed the perfect job. You know, the, I call it the white picket fence theory and assumption. Like everything for her must just have a white picket fence and works out perfectly. Now we're getting there, but it, well, I was not that way. Now I didn't grow up. I wasn't abused in any physically or in that way. I, I had a mother and I did not get along. I believe now 
she had low self-esteem and she was put into situations. Of course, now I know some of the things she went through as a, as a child. And she was the oldest of seven children. Her next brother, when she was 10 or she was 11, I think, and he was 10, he straight, he hung himself. He was very smart. They were out in the country in South Dakota and had outhouses and, and just, they were poor. And my mom was in charge of the family and her brothers and her brothers are more like brothers to me. Like my aunt, her sister was a year younger than me before she passed. God rest her soul. So her brothers were actually closer to my age than she was. So when you, you figure out all those things and what she was fighting for, but as a child, I didn't understand it because I was at the brunt of her insecurities and her anger at the world. And so I ended up leaving it. I left the house at 16. They moved, we were in Texas and we had moved around a lot. My father worked for a packing house. Everybody always thinks the army and he, he worked at the time beef packing back in the day in the eighties was, you know, seventies and eighties. It was huge in the country and, and you would get moved. If you were getting promoted, you would move if you were being demoted. And he had all of those things. So we moved around a lot and my mother and I just never had a healthy relationship. And so at the age of 16, I ended, she, you know, threatened me or something. I was like, fine, I'll just leave. And I did. I ended up moving in with who became my first husband and he had two children and that didn't last very long, but I did have two children, but I was in and out and back and forth and um, ended up dropping out of high school. Then found who became my second husband and got pregnant with my third child. So by the time I was 21, I had three babies and two husbands and did not graduate from high school. And I remember in my, so I would have been 2021. Now I have three babies and uneducated. And yet I had all these dreams. And I can remember when I was 10 years old, I tell people there's this dream I, or this memory I have, I was going to be a singer. That's what I was going to do in my, you know, I was going to be a superstar. And, uh, and I was going to inspire the world with my music and I wrote poems and, and I loved it. I loved everywhere I went, I would sing. And now I've, I've lost it. I have a Stevie Nicks voice now. I used to have Martina McBride, but now we're like Stevie Nicks in one key. But, it, you know, now it's I sing happy birthday on Facebook. But that was my dream. And I knew I had talent. I knew I was going to be in front of people. Fast forward, lots of decisions made, bad decisions made, uneducated decisions made, made out of emotion. And I could blame my parents and for a long time I did. But I think that's part of what I learned in my 20s is that you have to, and probably even my 30s, again, I was late to the party of, of self-awareness, but that you have to own all your decisions, even the things that you didn't have control over you did something to put yourself in that situation. I think that's where people really struggle. And I know we'll get into that deeper, but so when I was 21, or when I was 10, I remember writing music and it was, you know, it was just this fabulous thing. And I was, I remember one night I was sitting in uh, listening to Peaches and Herb, you remember, you know, reunited. Now I'll sing for you. See? And uh, <laughs> I, that song was my favorite song. And I would, it, it inspired me to write, you know, 
eight, 10 songs in one night. And I knew this night I wrote the song that was going to inspire the world. And I wrote it and I went and I was like, mom, 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 I did it. Look at this song. And she came to the door and she looked at it and she looked at it and she grabbed it and she looked at it again. And then she ripped it up and she threw it down. And she said, Sherry, you're just a dreamer and dreamers never get anything they want. And I remember that shaped our relationship because I fought that and I was fighting an uphill battle. By now I realized my mom had to give up all her dreams. She got pregnant with me and her parents, there's lots there, but it, it, it was so, um, it was such a pivotal moment and I was 10. So now everything I ever dreamt of, I mean, I was a great in school. I got straight A's. I was in band. But when we moved, finally, the last time I was a junior in high school and I was on softball, you know, basketball, that's when you could play more than one sport. And I was good. I was the pitcher. You know, I was it. And I quit everything because in my head, I was just a dreamer. It wasn't worth it. And so then when I left the house, it made all these things happen. So by the time I was 21, there I was. And I was convincing myself I was just a dreamer. And I had all these dreams. And so, yeah, that's how my 20s started. <laughs> and how did, um, because that's tough, right? To hear your, your parents, your mother say that. And I always tell people that the first lessons of life that you learn come from your mom and your dad, right? The first instructors in your life are your parents. And for them to say that to you, how did that make you feel? And I asked that question because there's a lot of, everyone was a child at some mm-hmm. point, right? Everyone had a childhood dream. You know, I'm going to be president of the world. I'm going to be the next basketball player. I'm going to be the next baseball player, football player. I am going to save the world. No matter mm-hmm. how grand the dream, we all have had a dream like that. Mm-hmm. How did that feel to have these dreams? And then this person that's supposed to be the example for you says, you know what? You're just going to be a dreamer. How was that for yeah. you? You know, it's interesting. I've had people ask me that before. And what I tell people is I remember thinking, and I, was, I wasn't I was wise in my 20s, but I was wise at 10. And God is, I'm a believer. And for, for me, God was with me the whole time. I just didn't know it. And so at that moment, that wisdom I had to believe came from a higher power because I remember looking at her and thinking, I don't want to be sad like you. And I didn't cry. I had cried many, many other times when she had come in the room or when we'd gotten in fights. But in that moment, I remember her face. I remember when she did that and I didn't cry. And I just thought to myself, I don't want to be sad like you. And so then I think that became what I was avoiding, right? So everything in life, we're either running from something or we're running to something. We're either running, we're doing things out of fear or we're doing things out of possibility. There is no, there is no try. I usually tell my clients, right? There is no try. You're either doing it or you're not doing it. You're either losing weight. Now it might be 0.0001 pound a week, but you're either losing weight or you're not losing weight. Try is a cop out. 
And it's the same thing in our relationships. It's the same thing in everything we are doing. You're either, you're either building a relationship or you're not. You're either building a career or you're not. There is no try. So every time you hear your yourself say try, you need to eliminate that because what I ended up doing was trying to avoid living like her. So everything I was doing was out of fear and negativity. Well, I have learned now you can't build anything on a shaky foundation. You you have to change your mindset and go for things. And what I usually try to get people try to get people to do is to say, it's either constructive or it's destructive. So what are you are either thinking constructively or you're thinking destructively, you're either acting constructively or destructively, you can't positive your self esteem, but you can construct your self esteem. You can't destruct, you can't destruct a building, or you can't negative a building but you can destruct a building. And the same thing with our, our psyche and our mind and our careers and everything that we do. So when we can, I think the words positive and negative are way overused in this, in our society. And, and it's, and it, it's become a crutch or just something we say. And so that's why I really encourage people because what I learned was what she, I did for so long was from a destructive place and I was trying to build something. And that's why I was really not getting anywhere. It wasn't until I said, you know what? I'm doing this now for me, not to not be like you. And when we can make, now it's constructive, right? It's a, it's a destructive, it was from a destructive place the first time. Now it's constructive. Does that make sense at all? <laughs> it does, it does. And it makes sense okay. to me because I look at my upbringing and I was, I wasn't, I was raised by my grandmother Then I met my parents later on, but I look at it as similar to you. I wanted to be everything that they weren't. Mm -hmm. And it became the source of my motivation, it became the fuel to my fire. And from that fire, it grew into my passion. And here I am today. And I don't know if that's the best source of motivation or drive, but it was one that made me so driven because you hear it all the time, right? Where someone says, I want to be the best. And then when you break down, when they say that, or I want to be better, tend to find that they're taking it because someone has done something to them at a young mm -hmm. age. Yeah. And they're like, you know what? I'm going to be a better example. How many people will say that I want to be a better father than the father I had? Yeah. yeah. I want to be a better mother than the mother I had. I want to find a better marriage than the one I had before because I know to i know i can be better i know i can do better i want better you're right and here's what i tell people is it's not a bad thing to use that to get catapulted when it's not good is if eventually you don't make that shift to it being about what you want and what you want to do in this world i bet you you can think back when you made that shift, like it's okay. Everything has pros and cons, right? We can, it's okay to use something negative to catapult you and use that anger and channel it. Absolutely. Or the frustration or feeling stuck, whatever it is. What, what I encourage people though, to, 
do sooner rather than later is start to own that you want to do this for you, not just not to be like them. And the sooner you can make that shift, the more joy you're going to have, the more peace you're going to have in that journey. And actually you'll achieve more quicker because now it's coming from a constructive place versus from it started from a destructive motivation. How were you able to pivot and make that change for yourself? You know, that's why I said I was a late comer because during my 20s, I still fought it. And then like things kept happening too. I finally left my second husband, but during, while I was doing that, and he was an alcoholic and, you know, I actually came home and he had taken all the furniture and everything except my kids' beds and left me nothing on and was gone one day. And here he had been an alcoholic and didn't have a job. I was supporting him for four years. So how he did it, I don't know, but that happened and then that while during that time I was in a bad car accident so I finally got a place of my own have the kids and moving forward and got a sales job and was starting to move up again the ladder if you will and I was in a bad car accident now this is where things do happen out of your control this beautiful Friday afternoon I was going to meet a friend and for lunch in Omaha Nebraska I lived in Blair Nebraska and hello to all the Nebraska friends and anybody's out there go Huskers <laughs> and um, and here and I was on my way to meet her for lunch and I was you know at the time I was like 55 and it was a place where there was a lot of accidents it was outside of the city limits it was kind of like you're going into omaha and a car was stopped that was going to take what would be their left in front of me because they were facing me and another truck came around the bend and hit that car into me while i was you know zooming past and so hit them i was going you know 55 60 miles an hour the airbag deployed like it was supposed to in the minivan i was driving and hit the top of my forehead and flung my head back I ended up having oral mandibular dystonia, which means that I lost the control of the movement of my head, my eyes, my facial movements, my tongue would stick out when I would, and I couldn't control it. For like nine months, I had to go on medicine. I lost my job or had to give it up because I couldn't do sales. Was getting no child support. And now the church in that town was supporting me and my children. And I had to learn how to talk again correctly. I had to learn, I had physical therapy, speech therapy, and all the attorneys wanted me to have surgery. And I refused to do that because it was just, he was 21 years old and he wasn't, there was no, he wasn't texting at the time. It wasn't that big back then. And he wasn't drinking. He was on his way home. He lived with his parents. It was just an accident. And he had a limit of his insurance. And I just kept thinking to myself, because at the time my kids were like uh, 9, 10, 11, something like that, 10, 11, 12. And, um, and I kept thinking, well, what when they start driving, what if this would happen to them? And so I chose not to sue, did it all myself. And to this day, which is kind of crazy to think now, it's been 18 years, I control the right side of my face. Now, we're not on showing this video but if you ever show the video but if you're listening and and Turing can tell you what it's looking like it's kind of like bell's palsy so i had to overcome all of that in the midst of this so and the reason i'm telling you this story is because you said when did that shift that's when i had to make a lot of hard decisions because i didn't have family that was supporting me 
that's who, when I actually ended up meeting who I am married to today. Uh, and, uh, and still with, I plan on being with the rest of my life. And I learned, a, I had to go through a lot. And I thought, and at that point though, during that time, about four months in, I was started waitressing and I was delivering newspapers now just to make a living. And I was on my way home for one of the waitressing job at two o'clock in the morning. My kids had school the next morning and the very place I had the first accident, they were decided to redo that whole road because there were so many accidents there. They had put the cones for refilling they were digging out the road on the wrong side of a hole that they were digging. And on my way home with the car that had been given to me because my car was total and it was the, you know, the bumpers being held on by duct tape and the, you know, it's like an old car. I hit the hole and popped the front tire and the back tire and that night, and I have no cell phone and I'm crying now. It's, you know, six months in, I'm, you know, I still have all of this. I'm learning how to you deal with it. And I have no money now. I've lost my house. I've lost another marriage and three children. And I, those words, you're just a dreamer. Like it still brings tears to my eyes come to mind because that night I decided I was done and I prayed to the Lord. I said, and I would, at that point, I didn't really have a relationship. I was like, why, you know, you're just crying to God when you, you know, people even who aren't believers like God, why do you punish me? Why, why, are, why is this happening? And then I said, I'm done. I made a, three years or so my kids were a little bit older because it was like three and a half years. Yeah, I guess they would have been. And as soon as they graduate, I'm going to end my life. When I made that plan, now, of course, if I really wanted to end my life, I would have ended my life. But it, what it did is it actually gave me something to work for that I had control of because nothing else in my life felt like I ever had control of anything. And so I was getting you know, I started saving money to take care of my kids. I mean, everything I was doing was, I was going to fulfill that goal, but I was gonna make sure it was good. And I was gonna make sure everybody was happy. But then I ended up meeting who is my husband today. And then I, and I started doing reading about <laughs> mindset and looking for um, mindset on people who want to end their life, but I really didn't want to. All these things, right? And then that's when I started really learning about mindset. Back when I was 21, I can remember I was sitting on the trailer floor with my second husband when we lived in the trailer court and I had Tony Robbins tapes in dreaming about being a motivational speaker. And I had lost, you know, all of that, even the, like, I was just a dreamer. Why, why even, why do all of that? So you fast forward about, um, 10 years from there, 11 years, and now it's just done, right? All this stuff kept happening. And it was during that time, I had my plan of ending my life. And then like, it was like the really first goal as an adult I had made in 10 years besides just trying to survive, because that's what it really had been in my 20s. That changed my life. Then I realized, well, geez, now I am saving money. Oh my gosh, now I've got another job. Oh, I just got a scholarship to go to a community college. Oh, like all these, I was like, man, goal setting kind of works. <laughs> so, and then 
again, met my husband and he was a godsend and he was just so supportive and encouraging. And, um, and that's when it really changed for me And I, from a really bad set of circumstances. Again, I, I decided I, what I, man, I learned so much. I could overcome things. I just was tired train. I was just tired. I was so tired of being alone and feeling alone, but it wasn't until I realized I could do it alone. I didn't need all that help. I was doing it alone all this time. It just was hard. And I was just done with it being hard. But then I started accomplishing things. So it was kind of how, you know, we got turned around. And I think that's how we say when there's a difference between being alone and being lonely, mm. right? Because you always had people around you, the first husband, your children, the second mm. husband, and so on. But you still felt how you felt. And now where you're actually alone, where there's no one around you, right? Where you yes. exited the, the second marriage, you decided, I need to do this because I am more than a dreamer. I am more than a woman that has had two relationships, two um, mm -hmm. marriages that has ended. Mm -hmm. I'm more than being a single parent. I am more than this. Mm -hmm. When you look back and you say, Man, I was late to the party, to use your reverse, right? <laughs> yeah. My 20s was this. My 20s, when a lot of people were having fun and discovering mm. themselves, yes. I was trying to um, rebuild what was being destroyed. When you look yes. back and you see how your 30s was different than your 20s, how today is different than both decades, uh -huh. how does that make you feel? Oh, you know, good question. I tell people all the time, right? It, we could all say, and if you're not saying this, then you might need to think about it a little bit. When you're in your 30s, you look back at your 20s and you think, man, I mean, I look back at my 20s and it wasn't that I thought I knew it all. I just really was in survival. And that's what I talk about in my book. Like there's, uh, there's, I have seven stages of overcoming obstacles and it's based on what I've learned now. And the first one is denial, then it's survival, and then it's acceptance, or survival, then denial, then acceptance. And acceptance is the hardest stage. And it wasn't until I accepted my circumstances and that it accepted everything around me, accepted the, the part I did play, because ultimately, you know, I did leave my parents. And I mean, it was mutual, but and they kicked me out. But I, I left if I wanted to stay, I could have probably stayed. Right. So when you have to, it's that acceptance of anything that is the hardest stage, whether it's grief, whether it's in your finances, whether it's your children. I have a, I have a child. So I'm like the Ginsu knife commercial. I'm like, wait, there's more. <laughs> but, uh, but And it works, right? They do still do those commercials because they still work but i also so once you know you fast forward through all that i have a my one of my children my youngest one he has paranoid schizophrenia he was diagnosed with it um as a he was 18 years old and my middle child actually had went to school become a dental hygienist was doing awesome got divorced got with the wrong man started doing meth and she's in prison right now she lost she went downhill it's hard not to go man, now is that because of me? And it, it's not, right? I had to accept Josh. Now I help parents who are given that diagnosis of adult children that, of mental illness because they often are in denial or they have guilt, like they did something wrong and they didn't. It's 
it's unfortunate, right? So you have to accept things very quickly. I've had to learn how to accept a lot of stuff very quickly so that I can move forward. And so I write, that's what I really write about in, in the first book. And then the second book, I'm taking it to the next level, putting some research behind it um, and biblical so that we have science and, you know, Christianity together. But I, I truly believe when I, when I think about all the different stages of life, it may, first of all, I'm proud. How I feel, just to answer your question, is I'm, I feel proud that I'm here and I feel so blessed and I'm so Oh my gosh, I am so grateful. Like I wake up every day grateful that I, I, not that I went through everything I've went through, but I have a passion. I'm grateful that I have a passion to help people so that they don't have to go through what I do, went through. If they do go through even one of those things, a car accident, a child being diagnosed with a mental illness, you know, losing everything, bad marriage, whatever it is, that I can help them understand that the sooner you accept your circumstances, we don't drive a car looking in the rearview mirror. You drive a car looking forward and we just glance back every once in a while. That's why I believe therapy is good for some people, but I have clients I just had a client come to me through the church, um, mood disorder, bipolar, went to therapy for 12 years. We met for four weeks, four weeks. And now we're meeting monthly. And she goes, this is the best I've ever felt. Because what I do is I help people realize and accept you can't, you're, first of all, I don't believe anybody's broken. You're not broken. I'm not broken. You may have different challenges. My son is not broken. He has different challenges than other people. And so when you can accept that you're not broken and can accept that you just have different challenges, that's all. So either you're going to deal with those challenges or you're not, you're not going to try. It's either you're going to deal with them or you're not. Those are the choices we're all given in every single day. So I feel very proud that I've, I'm here. And I also feel very blessed that, um, just to say it again, that I have a passion and a desire to help people, especially those who are hurting, who feel alone or feel like their circumstances are, they may feel like they may never end. And I don't know, I don't have a crystal ball. I can't promise people that they won't ever end, but how you deal with them today can be different. I promise you, you can have a joyful, fulfilled life, no matter what is going on. And that is truly how I feel today after all of those decades. Of <laughs> Although I now like, I feel like I'm 30. <laughs> yeah. And I like how you broke that down because that's actually how it should be. Right. Like you, you break it down to it's either you do or you don't mm-hmm. either you move forward or you don't either you, either you look towards your goal or you don't because everything else in my opinion i feel you're just trying to justify not going either way yeah right it's a where, exactly where it's like let's say you and i are in a relationship and it's going poorly right we have a choice either you yeah. can continue either you try or you don't or i try or you don't but at the end of the day if both of us are not going to try, then we have to make another decision. We have yes. to leave. Yes. Right. And that's where it gets a little bit 
difficult because it's it's becoming easier to be complacent, saying that well, it's bad, but the alternative is worse because if it goes to hell or if it goes left, then we have a problem. But you really don't know until you try, right? And yeah. if success is right. If there's a possibility of success being right on the other side of the door, shouldn't we at least attempt to walk through that door? Yes, and you know it's interesting you say that because there, I mean there's a cliche out there that says you know I'd rather uh, something around like I'd rather fail a hundred times than never to try again or something like that, and and that is so true. And when you Making the decision is the hardest thing to do. Once you make the decision, I tell people all the time, quit asking if you should do something. Should I leave this job? Should I stay at this job? If I do this, if I, if, 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 if. No, you start asking how. If the relationship isn't going well, how would it look if you did leave? How would it look if you decide to stay? Start asking how, and it, when you start asking yourself better questions, you get better answers. It's really cool. <laughs> and so, right. But quit asking if I always say, God talks to me like the discover commercial. He's like, Sherry, if you don't stop asking me, if and start asking me how I'm going to treat you like you're not going to get anything you want. And so I'm like, Oh, all right. He's talking to me like, all right. So it's, and, and that's the way we should all be. Whenever I start thinking if too long, like it's okay to say, I wonder if this should be. But if you say, I wonder if about that same subject over and over and over again, you're gonna get keep getting the same answer. Change it to how. Your brain only knows how to do what it's told. If you keep asking if, it's going to answer it. It just, that's what our brains, our brains are just computers. It only knows what it's supposed to do. If you ask if, it's going to answer if. If you ask how, it's going to start looking for how. It's amazing how it works. And so when we can start doing that, I, I use the example of, it does, our brains do not register the word not. So if you say, or something like this, oh man, I can't forget the bananas when I go to the grocery store. What's the first thing you usually forget when you go to the grocery store? The bananas. Yes, because you said, oh, I can't forget them. I cannot forget them. Your brain does not register not, so it hurts forget bananas. So what do you do? Forget bananas. You need to reframe it and say, help me to remember bananas. You, The odds of you remembering bananas go up. And there's research, don't ask me where it's at. I'm, this was like years of you know, counseling and psychological studies, but so it's the same thing when in our career, in our, in our daily lives, your brain is going to answer what you ask it <laughs> because that's why we get so frustrated. Like, man, I could just wish I could think of it. I wish I could think of it. Well, if I should, if I should, I wish I knew, well, if you keep asking if you're probably not going to know if you ask how, all of a sudden, well, maybe I should go research it. Well, maybe I should make a phone call. Well, maybe I should ask for some advice. Maybe I should get a coach. Maybe I should go talk to my pastor. Maybe I should go on the Behind the Shades podcast. Maybe you should, right? Like the how. You guys, you guys definitely up. should. You guys definitely should come on Behind the Shades podcast. <laughs> right. See, so if you ask how, 
right? I mean, we met because I asked, how can I get my story out there? And somebody says, Sherry, you should be doing podcasts. Guess what? All of a sudden, I mean, people who do podcasts. If I would have just said, if, I wonder if I should be telling my story. If, 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 if. Where would I still be? Wondering if I should tell my story. So if I could leave your audience with one thing that they'll remember from tonight, it's start asking how and quit asking if, and you, your life will change. Absolutely. When you, if there's no movement, yes, right? right? If I were to buy a house, okay. If I were to get should a car, if I'm going to have kids, if I'm going to get married, if I'm going to be rich, if I'm going to be successful, if, 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 right? But how am I going to get married? Well, yeah. you know, I have to go out there. I have to meet the right person. I have to do this. I have to do that. How am I going to get the house? Well, I have to save enough money. When you use the word how, what follows it is the plan. And yeah. when the plan gets put into motion, it becomes the reality. Yes, there's varying forms of the, that reality. Instead of a million dollar home, you may have a half a million dollar home. Instead yeah. of... You know, the type of you may end up with a with a woman or a man that is suitable for you that may be a little bit surprised. Maybe they don't have all of the things that you wanted in that person, but they have the majority of them. And what they have makes you so happy. It doesn't matter that they have they don't have 10 out of 10. You're more than happy with eight out of 10. Yeah. Right. And I think. And for those who are religious out there, that's where the faith comes in, right? Because if you're going to have faith in the God or the religion that you believe in, take some of that faith and have it in yourself. You'd be surprised what human beings can accomplish when we believe in ourselves and believe in the power of ourselves. Yes. And it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. So I had that. So when you ask how, so many people think, oh, I'm going to ask how, or I'm going to pray. And, you know, God's going to tell me this. And I'm like, okay, God just sent you an option and it may cause you to um, invest $5,000 in yourself or, you know, hire a counselor, hire a coach. And you're like, oh, I think I'll just keep praying at it. I'm like, you're dear, your answer just came. It doesn't. <laughs> so again, you can go back to if, if you want. Now it's how can I pay for this? How can I invest in this? How can I save for this? So they, they, yeah, it, it's so interesting that we can fool ourselves. If, if you are not committed to moving forward, it isn't about knowing everything you want. I, I, what I love now about my fifties, now that you ask me about each decade, you know what I love now is that I can have something come up and because of everything I've been through and I've been, I've been blessed with wisdom to overcome things. Even before I knew what I was doing, I just had strength, but now things can happen. Like I just got some news yesterday. It was not the most fun news. And the first thing I thought was, you know what? <laughs> I could sit here and worry about this and I'm not gonna, I'm just not gonna worry about it. What can I do? Okay, this is what I could do. And I handled those things that I can do. There's no need in me wondering if this, if that, wonder if, 
what I often say now is it feels so good to no longer worry, but to wonder, wonder how this is going to end up. I wonder where this is going to go. I wonder how I can really make this a good thing. I wonder if this is going to even be in my life next year, right? I wonder if this is worth worrying about. But when you can get to a place of no longer worrying, and I'm not saying I don't have days, I don't worry. I'm not going to be all, you know, that uh, pretentious to say that. I have my days, but I catch myself now. I don't sit in, in worry about my children for months on end. You know what? They're adults. They make their own decisions. Is it what I want? Do I worry about, about the perception of me? No, I, I taught them right from wrong. You know, it is what it is. So you can own as much of other people's mistakes or decisions as you want, but I no longer do that. And that feels good. And just to limit my worry time, I know how to do that now. And I just wonder where it's going to take me, take my family, you know, take my faith or just take me in my, in the legacy of what I want to do. I wonder where it's going to happen and what's, fun about that is more fun things start to happen too. more surprises. So if you don't like surprises, you may not want to wonder so much, but <laughs> it's, it's a fun ride. Like I look forward to that now. And that was actually going to lead me into my, into my next question. Do you feel that you are free from it uh, all now? And the reason why I asked that is you've had your personal situation. You've had what your children are going through. And, and as you mentioned, you felt a little guilt because is it my fault that they're suffering through some of the situation that they have suffered through? But looking back on what you went through, looking back on some of the challenges that your children have gone through, are you at the point where you're like, you know what? I am free. I am happy within my own skin. I'm going to yeah. continue to move forward. Yes. And, and it's, Absolutely. Uh, yes, fully. <laughs> I think that's why now I'm ready to go tell my story, right? Is I am and I want people to know that no matter what happens, this, what I've learned is, is first you go through these stages, you know, if you're in survival mode, it, again, survival is not a bad thing because it keeps you from making a bad decision again. Denial is not a bad thing for a little while. You just don't want to keep your head in the sand for a long time, right? You've got to move. Everything has pros and cons. As long as it keeps you here on earth and moving forward, it's a good thing. It's once, and those are more of the destructive thought processes. Once you get to acceptance and above where you're building confidence and connection, and there's these other stages, which is all about, you know, moving forward. But that acceptance stage, now you're talking about constructive thought processes. So even the destructive ones, keep you here and moving forward and so once you can get there yes things happen i mean there's drama I, my family oh my gosh i could talk all night long about drama right and <laughs> and my you know i have ex-son-in-laws and their parents and oh my gosh right you would just think we would just be one big happy family and that's just not the way it is. but i feel blessed to not get involved in the drama, but be able to listen to everyone and set that example, 
right? My, what drives me is in, in within even my friends and family is I want to be the one that sets the example. I don't have to tell you what to do and you don't have to do what I suggest, but you will never catch me doing something that um, I, I don't want, I don't think is good, right? Like if you're gossiping me about your sister, your brother, or whatever, then you know, you're not setting a very good example. So I think that's where I love it. That's the freedom is to be able to, even with the closest people in your life, be able to not go into their stuff. You can listen to it. You can be there for them, but there's a difference between being there for someone and being in it with them. And when you truly can get to freedom and with anybody in your career, in your job, drama in your job, you're like, oh, I don't know. And I mean, there's drama. We don't have quite as much. We don't have a big team, but there's clients. And, you know, there's a difference between handling the drama and being in the drama. And when you get to the place of being free, you can look at it from the outside and not own it own your peace in it but that i think uh, our society and so many people think that they're supposed to feel bad forever you get to make the decision whether or not you're going to be in in the drama or out of the drama and that's where freedom comes from is for me is being able to be strong in the decisions i make and don't have to explain myself I don't, I don't have to explain myself to anybody because I know I'm doing the right things. Um, and I'm living in that truth and leading with character. And do I make mistakes? Do I say things that probably piss some people off? Oh, I'm sure. (laughs) I know I do, but you know, (laughs) is it intentional? And then I own it too. If I make a mistake, you have to own it. You don't get to, you know, stick your head in the sand and not own it. And that's where freedom comes from.